is there a reason this product doesn't exist? Like mimosas are one of the most universally recognized cocktails, yet I can't buy it in a can. It doesn't make sense. So is there a reason? Hey, visionaries, welcome back to the show. So back for his second appearance on the show is Mitchell Stern. You might remember Mitchell from Visionary Life Podcast episode 108. We talked about elevating the brand experience with his former company, Station Cold Brew Coffee. And we dove into the journey of becoming an entrepreneur, especially while navigating mental health challenges and riding the roller coaster. And we talked a lot about experiential marketing and strategies that you could also leverage if you're building a brand. And oh my gosh, we dove into a lot of real talk on that episode. So I would highly encourage you go back, listen uh, if you're looking for an extra episode. But today I get to reconnect with Mitch and he is someone who I've always loved chatting with. I've known him and been acquainted to him for probably like six or seven years. We originally met on the streets of Toronto while he was sampling Station Cold Brew. We did a lot of work together when I was working for Vega and he was growing Station Cold Brew as their marketing director. But today, Mitch is actually pouring into a brand new project called Darling Mimosa. You might have even tried these canned mimosas. They are so good. They're actually made with Ontario wine. Um, I live in Ontario, so it's local wine and real juice. So basically in this episode, we chat about Mitch's serendipitous moment and really what happened with the origin story of Darling Mimosa and how they basically built the entire brand in six weeks, which is so crazy. Uh, we talked to about just like where Darling Mimosa is going and how they've found success in such a short amount of time. Uh, and then towards the end of the episode, we also talk about Mitch's other role as a consultant and an advisor to other CPG and beverage brands and how he finds balance while having his hands in various projects. Can you guys relate? If you're multi-passionate, I feel that way all of the time, but like Mitch, I wouldn't have it any other way. So I know you're going to love this episode. There is so much to dig into here. And honestly, you might want to listen twice. So definitely go check out the, the show notes if you want to watch the YouTube or if you want to uh, get all of the links to what we talk about. And if you want to find Darling Mimosa, you can probably easily find them on Instagram. They're just at Darling Mimosa. Or you could even connect with uh, Mitch on LinkedIn. I feel like I can't talk today. <laughs> so it's a Monday. Forgive me. Uh, just type in Mitchell Stern on LinkedIn and you can go connect with him. He's such an awesome, real, and just vulnerable individual that I've always admired. So enjoy this episode with Mitch and I hope to see you guys soon. Mitch, welcome back to the podcast. It's been, as we mentioned in our pre-chat, about two and a half years since we sat down virtually. I think our first conversation on the Visionary Life podcast was actually just at the beginning of the pandemic. So I think we were supposed to do it in person and then it turned into a Zoom interview and here we are two and a half years later, Zoom interview part two. So, you know, last time we chatted, we kind of talked about, um, you know, a lot of important concepts around building resilience as an entrepreneur and the roller coaster ride that you can expect and sharing the highs and lows. And I think we're going to keep this as a continuation of that conversation and just catching up on what you've been up to uh, since we last chatted. So welcome back to the show. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me back. Uh, if you had told me two and a half years ago that we'd be doing this again over Zoom yeah. uh, and what's occurred in the past two and a half years did, I'm not sure I would have believed it, but uh, here we are. Here we are. I'm happy to be here. Here we are. And you know what? That's a thing. Like, you know how some people talk about building a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. Sometimes I'm like, I just don't know that we can really calculate where you're going to be in 10 years because so much is serendipitous. And I know both you and I are passionate about connections and saying yes to opportunities and meeting people. And so much unfolds through 
these moments that we really couldn't plan or put into a 10-year strategy. I don't know how you feel about the long-term planning versus living in the day-to-day and just embracing things as they come to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very pragmatic and I oftentimes, admittedly, for better or for worse, live more in the day-to-day. And I think as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to because you're sort of in the weeds all the time. And uh, one thing that I, I try to uh, stay conscious of is, is trying to think a little bit larger, even if, um, you know, knowing that if I build a five-year plan or a 10-year plan today, it's probably going to be different. Um, I think it's still important to do that, to to set those goals for yourself and, you know, manifestation I believe in. And so like, you know, I think that's important. Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of have that hybrid approach too. It's like have the plan, but know that there are things that are going to fall into your lap and opportunities that you couldn't have written into that. So it's kind of like fluctuating, but maybe being somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So since we last chatted, You have embarked on a brand new journey and you are the co-founder of Darling Mimosa and I've tried them. They're amazing. They're actually at the LCBO in my tiny little town that I live in. So that's really, really cool. Uh, Congratulations. So Darling Mimosa is a canned mimosa drink made with Ontario wine, real juice. We need to know how the heck did this brand come to be? What's kind of like that aha moment or origin story or whatever you guys call it? Uh, Can you take us back to where it all began? Yeah, I, I can for sure. I mean, like at the beginning of the pandemic, um, uh, as a lot of people were doing, uh, we I think we all had a lot of time to reflect and sort of like figure out, um, you know, personal things. And f- for me, I, I was uh, really missing sort of like that spark that I had when we started my previous business, Station Cold Brew, because I and, and what I realized was I really love that sort of like early stage ideation, creative uh, you know, white market sort of like uh, new product innovation um, piece piece of the puzzle. And so I naturally sort of found myself uh, just thinking daily about what could be next. And I had actually come up with a brand concept called Brightside. And the whole idea was just sort of like living life on the bright side. Uh, early on in the pandemic, that was also, um, a, I'm not going to use the term mantra, but it was something that I was trying to lean into a little bit because nobody knew what the heck was happening. Um, and, and, you know, feeling sort of like living in gratitude, that's all. And I had I had mentioned this brand concept to a very close friend of mine who's an amazing award-winning creative director and now business partner, uh, Kim Tarlow. Um, and one day we found ourselves at her cottage in Collingwood, early pandemic. We were sort of in our bubble. There were six of us together. Um, and I was making mimosas for uh, for the group. And I sort of asked the question, like, how do I make this? Like, I don't know what the ratios are. I wasn't a mimosa drinker. I didn't know a ton about the, the, what it was, but obviously was familiar with it because it's so universally recognized. And I had this moment where I was just like, this should just be available in a can. And as a you know self-proclaimed beverage nerd, I, I follow the beverage industry quite closely in Canada, the US. And I know what's happening in, in the beverage alcohol space and everything's moving into cans, wine in cans, cocktails in cans, you know, vodka sodas, et cetera. And so I started digging around. And fortunately, I had some people in my network um, who was sort of one of my advisors with Station um, who came from the LCBO. And so I called her to say, like, is there a reason this product doesn't exist? Like, mimosas are one of the most universally recognized cocktails yet I can't buy it in a can. It doesn't make sense. So is there a reason? The answer was there was, there were no, there was no good reason. Um, And so naturally I sort of figured out that maybe we could do it ourselves. We paired that with this concept of bright side and uh, you know, this sort of like bright optimistic uh, energy of the bright side brand that I had come up with paired nicely with uh, what a mimosa stands for, which is, you know, mimosas are synonymous with celebration. And so we dove in, my partner Kim and I, we, we in six weeks uh, formulated a liquid, built a visual identity for the brand. Uh, we brought on an amazing designer to be sort of like co-founder as well, Anna, unbelievable. Um, and the three of us sort of like, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back, six weeks was not a lot of time. And we pitched the LCBO and they, and they loved it. 
Um, you know, they love the fact that we use Ontario wine. It's a big part of our value proposition. Um, and we wanted to create something that was uh, an authentic mimosa in a can, like pretty straightforward. Um, you know, I, I joke that I spent eight years trying to educate people on cold brew coffee, why it's different, a new way to drink coffee and to drink it out of a can. This is very different and certainly much easier um, to sort of like educate people. Uh, we did run into some trademark issues with the term bright side, uh, which is which led us to darling, um, which I'm very grateful for. In that moment, uh, when we realized this, I had a very hard time with it, truthfully. Um, but our tagline that we had come up with was go ahead, darling, live life on the bright side. And so darling just became this natural fit. And I'm very happy with where we netted out because dar the term darling has this very sort of like lovely, supportive, um, you know, like I know lots of people whose parents are, are uh, you know, from the UK and, mm -hmm. and, and it's a very endearing term. Yeah. So there's like this positive association with it. And, and that's where we landed. Um, so that's like the initial start of Darling. And that's, that was the middle of 2020. Wow. There's so much that I want to unpack there. But first, do you feel like there was an element of right place, right time, and even to add on to that, right people? Like, it feels like to create something in six weeks and to all be like, yeah, let's stop what we're doing and go forward with this. Like, something was working there. Yeah, there's no there's no question. I mean, I... I think that people are presented with opportunities all the time in terms of timing. Yeah. And, you know, it's a very fortunate and privileged thing to say, of course, not everybody is given that. And I feel uh, grateful that I, I do have that opportunity and did have that opportunity, but uh, the timing was great for sure. Um, and the people are the most important part. Like I yeah. said this, I've said this from my days with station, like, Station would never be what it was without my two partners. Like I, yeah. I firmly believe in uh, uh, knowing what you're good at and what you want to be spending your time doing and surrounding yourself with people who sort of complement that. And I, we've got an amazing team. And, mm -hmm. you know, Kim is one of my best friends too, which is an interesting path to go down, starting a business with one of your best friends. But it's yeah. been incredible. There's a tremendous amount of trust. Um, you know, she's uh, an award-winning creative director who has done some incredible things. And, um, you know, I, I think the people that we've started it with are, are very important. Mm -hmm. Something that you guys seem to have completely mastered is the branding of Darling. Like, I, I didn't, I, I actually didn't know the story of Brightside and how that tied in. But when I look at the can and the design aesthetic, that is a word that I would say like i'd be like it's just bright and it makes me feel cheery and positive how much of the brand actually came from that word uh like did that kind of direct how you brought the can to life and just like the general aesthetic of what you built overall yeah absolutely i mean i think the first thing i'll say is that um you know, with Station, I was I was the brand guy, like I was the marketing person. And with Darling, I've actually taken a step aside mm -hmm. simply because of the uh, qualifications of of Kim and and our designer Anna. Like they've done some incredible work, and you know, I've been involved in the process, of course, and it's been a team effort. But uh, I, I put a lot of trust in them and in, in getting us to where we are and and look yeah. at the results. You know, I think that. Um, we we I, we probably talked about this on our previous on our previous um, chat, but I, I think that brand has to mean more than the product. And I think there are way too many brands who don't understand that you know yeah. what it is. And and when I look at your product, I should be able to feel something. I should be able to understand what you're trying to emote. And and you just described it like what you just described is exactly what we're trying to do with Darling. And like I said before, it's built on the platform of optimism and celebration. And, you know, celebration is is synonymous with mimosas, sure. Um, and that's, you know, weddings and holidays and brunch in the park with friends. Those are all celebratory moments. And optimism is just something that I think everybody needs right now. Like there's just so much that's happened in the past two and a half years. And I think that that's what we're trying to, to really convey. So 
the brand and and you know when I when you think about the competitive nature of the LCBO and this category, you need a good brand to stand out on shelf. Like you know, we went with bright and bold colors. Yes, because it fits what we're trying to convey and and the name and the story and all of that, but also because it's it's something that will stand out on shelf, and that's that's how you're going to try to compete with some of the big the big guys. Mm-hmm. And aside from being on shelf at the LCBO, are you currently doing any online marketing? Like your digital shelf, is there a presence there? What's working outside of just being in? brick and mortar stores. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, there are a lot of regulations and this was a big learning for me um, yeah. moving into alcohol. There's a ton of regulations uh, that are slowly getting better. You know, the LCBO uh, is, is really the place where you have to start and we're very fortunate to have the opportunity to be there. Um, we actually aren't able to sell direct to consumer online because we don't manufacture the product ourselves, And so there's some regulations around that that we're trying to work through. Uh, I'm also hopefully working towards getting our product into sort of like grocery because as you know, that's evolving. And I think there's a great opportunity for us and something I know very well from my previous role. Um, you know, we, we, we are constantly building the brand online. You know, that's a big part of what we do. I think that, um, you know, the big thing about darling, and this is sort of off off topic to what you, what you've asked, but it's important is that we firmly believe that like the demographic that we're going after is very underrepresented and oftentimes spoken to in a very sort of like archaic way. Like Mm -hmm. there's no question that our demographic is heavily female and that's why my partner Kim, who's also a new mom, is like, she knows how to speak to that demographic. And it's about sort of just like talking to them, not with them, not at them. And I think there's a lot of brands that, you know, have identified females as their target and they do it in such a like old school, cheesy way. Uh, and that's not what we're trying to do at Darling. We're trying to build a brand that speaks to our core demo as uh, as just like a like a friend, somebody who understands and is going through the same stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and that's also why I don't handle that part of the business because <laughs> I I have no right in doing that. I love it. And it sounds like you kind of identified a weak spot in the market. Like most brands are not in conversation with women and you're like, we can do this differently, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of just doing it the way it's always been done. It's like, no, what is our brand voice and how can we carry that through so that it actually sets us apart from every other brand who might have a similar product or a similar message to share? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that, you know, with with Kim and Anna and myself, um, we also brought on two other individuals over the past year and a half. Um, another, which is female. So three out of five of us are females. So we're sixty percent female owned right now, and mm-hmm. and that's really important to us, and and certainly to me. Like I, uh, I think females are definitely underrepresented and undersupported as uh, as founders. And you know, there's all sorts of statistics around um, how much funding with startups goes towards. Uh, you know, male founders versus female founders. And, yeah. and, and it's also a part of the DNA of our business, you know? Uh, and again, it goes back to like surrounding yourself with the right people. I would never yeah. be able to do this on my own. As a business owner, your first priority needs to be your health. After all, your body is your vessel to bring your dreams into reality. And without your health, nothing else matters. So in addition to eating lots of fruits and veggies and whole foods, I'm also a big fan of topping up my diet with superfoods like Brazil nuts and cashews. I take high quality supplements like fish oil and lion's mane, and I use natural self-care products that aren't harmful to my health. And that's where Healthy Planet comes in and is a huge support. Healthy Planet is my go-to spot for all things health and fitness and wellness. I love that they have everything I need in one place, from natural beauty to supplements to organic whole foods. Plus, their prices are unbeatable. I know I'm getting the best possible deals on everything that I need. So Healthy Planet is more than just a health food store. It's really a one-stop shop for everything you need. And I want to pass on a discount code from Healthy Planet Canada. So use the code VISIONARY2022 at checkout 
on any online order and have everything shipped straight to your doorstep. So again, head to healthyplanetcanada.com and use the code visionary2022 at checkout to save 10% on any online order over $50. Yeah. And I know a big piece of our last conversation was always making sure that you do surround yourself with awesome people and to really know what you are good at and to bring in people who maybe fill those gaps. And I love that that is still kind of probably a core belief of you personally, but also of your team as you build out Darling. It's like, no, like there are people who are better at branding than I or better at you know, insert job title here than I, and you're looking to kind of bring in the best talent and people who can fill those voids. No question. It's, it's, it's a core belief that I learned and has just become sort of like one of the most valuable lessons I've learned as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So in addition to spending time as the co-founder of Darling, you're also doing consulting and advising for various beverage and CPG brands. So what prompted you to want to dive into the world of consulting and tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, of course. I mean, what what started that was, uh, I mean, when I was starting out in my entrepreneurial journey, a lot of people gave me a lot of time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of lessons that were shared with me early on that um, maybe I was told and didn't have to go through. And, you know, I firmly believe in in giving back. And I have a lot of lessons to share uh, that will hopefully, you know, help people along their journey. And, you know, it's not apples to apples. It's also very important to me when I'm consulting or advising to say, like, you know, my experience is this. It may not be the same for you and have empathy towards the situation that that person's in and their business and the product. And there's so many variables, Um, but it's really the love for helping people and also just the community in the natural sort of like health and wellness, food and beverage world, which I know you know quite well. Um, The community is incredible. And I've met some of the best people um, in, in that world and, you know, during the pandemic, the sort of like, you know, the CHFA pet trade shows were missing. And I recently went to one and it was amazing to reconnect with so many awesome people. And so it's also that love for the space and the innovation and the the new brands and, and sort of like pushing boundaries when it comes to products. Uh, that's the stuff that really uh, pushed me into trying to trying to share some of my experience to help other founders. Mm hmm. Did you ever doubt in the fact that people would want to hire you, like experience any imposter syndrome, or did you always feel confident that like you've been through a lot, you know, in bringing what you have to life and all the lessons, experiences that you've alluded to that you do have enough to share? Where did you Mm -hmm. find yourself when you started to come out as an advisor, as a consultant? Yeah, I mean, there's no question there's a tremendous amount of imposter syndrome. Like I'm a, I'm a pretty straightforward guy and like, yeah, you know, I, I, I experience a lot of that. I really do. And, uh, it's, it's constantly getting better in that, uh, you know, I will leave a conversation with somebody, whether it's as a consultant advisor or just a friend. Um, and, and I will oftentimes think to myself, wow, you've shared a lot because you've been through a lot and, and it's a good reminder to do that. But, yeah. um, and, and the truth is that I have been through a lot. Um, and, and I, I want to be able to share that. So, you know, perception is a very interesting thing. I actually posted something on LinkedIn a little while ago around perception and, you know, whether it's looking at a business or looking at an individual, whether it has to do with, uh, their professional journey or their personal journey, you know, mental health plays a factor in this. I think that it's important to look at somebody and also, and and realize that maybe they don't have their shit together, or maybe that business doesn't have their shit together. Like maybe it's one of, looks like one of the most successful businesses, but on the back end, they're struggling with all sorts of stuff. And it's just a reality. And that's okay. Like, I think that's the important part is that's just the way it is. And that's also why it's important to surround yourself with great people because Mm -hmm. they're the ones who are going to help you get through those things. So. So true. And 
It's interesting too, because I mean, we can scroll LinkedIn or be on Instagram and, and see all the highlight reel and what's going well. But I feel like there's also uh, this reminder that we all need that two states can kind of coexist at once. Like you can be having a ton of success in business, but also it's like a complete disaster on the back end. Or in my own experience, I felt like Last year, I had the best year of my life, but I also had the worst year of my life. And it's hard to explain that to people who maybe haven't felt that dichotomy of like, things can be going really well, but they can also be really, really hard. Or I can appear to be very happy at the trade show, but I can also be dealing with my own crap on the back end. And one thing does not you know, necessarily have to be mutually exclusive from the other. And it's a conversation that is not had a lot. And also I think as just human beings who we make quick judgments, we see something happening in someone's life or we identify a business that's doing well and we assume that is somehow a blanket statement to the rest of their life or to the rest of their business. But it's like, no, 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 no. Like that is a small snippet and there can also be something else happening that is actually like really, really hard or that is not perfect and shiny and successful. So it's tough if you like, haven't really sat down and thought how these states coexist, but it's true. Like there could be a business that we seemingly think is doing really well, but that is duct taped together and that's okay. It doesn't mean that like, you know, that it's a, a complete write-off. So I don't know how you feel about that. No, I, I, everything you said is exactly, uh, the way I think and, and things that I've thought about a lot, you know, I, I think that I, there are uh, midday squares is such an easy example to use for, for a great reason. Like they show the back end of all the crap that happens yes. behind the scenes. And I think that's really yeah. important. Um, and and I, I love those guys. Like it's, it's an amazing team and they're doing some really great stuff, but like, I think it's important to know that yes, they can coexist. They're not, it's not one or the other. And oftentimes one leads to the other, right? Like if you think about it, you have to go through the tough stuff to get to the good stuff. And oftentimes, as you're growing a business or growing as an individual with more good stuff, because you're evolving, mm -hmm. will come opportunity for more bad stuff. And that's the sort of like up and down roller coaster that is business and life and all of these things. So mm -hmm. I, I, I definitely, definitely agree with with that. And it's something that I'm just always, always thinking of. Yeah. I'm sure in your consulting and in your advising and even with Darling, like you've had moments where you just feel like things aren't going that well or you're working with a client where they're like, we don't know, we're hitting a wall here. How do you stay the course when things aren't necessarily panning out the way you thought they would? Or if you're working with a client that's like, I just want to throw in the towel or I'm having a bad day. Like, how do you move through a tough season, a tough day, a tough week, and know that there probably is going to be something better down the line or down the road? Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to, you know, the consulting side, I think uh, the relationships that I like to build are very open and honest and sort of like empathetic. And so I always yeah. approach any relationship like that. And so if I'm having a bad day or can't do something for somebody in time, like I, I'm the first to admit that. Uh, when it comes to business, you know, there's, there's been moments, um, there, there are two things that occurred, uh, during my days at station that felt like the end of the world, like two very specific memories that I have. One was like a production issue that was a disaster. One was like a misprint on a label. Like there's, there's some very big things. And those two circumstances were very important lessons for me in how to handle when things like that happen. And mm. uh, there's a scenario early on with Darling where something happened. And uh, I remember sort of like having this visceral reaction, like physical reaction to it, like almost an anxiety attack about how am I going to deal with this? And then took some time to, th to sit down and to think about my previous experience. And it allowed me to handle it differently and know that these things happen and that yeah. there's ways to fix it and that it's, you know, that cyclical roller coaster that comes up and down. And, and I've been able to share that with a few um, uh, people that I'm advising and, and working with as well. You know, I had one of them call me last week with like a challenge that reminded me of that circumstance that I, that I previously mentioned. And, 
mm-hmm. and was able to sort of like help her work through it. And I, th- I think that's just like all it is, is it's not going to always be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. <laughs> it's about how you deal with the, the challenges that come up. And, um, and, and that's really all that it is. Mm-hmm. And it's tough too sometimes as a consultant because like it's you that is often needed as you know the face of your brand as the person who's doing a lot of the thinking and advising. So when you're having a tough day or a personal challenge to be able to say like you do, hey, I, I just can't show up today or to have that transparent conversation of, you know what, I just we need to recalibrate and maybe chat tomorrow instead. It's tough because it's hard to sometimes admit, like I'm not feeling 100% or 110%, so I can't be there today, or Mm -hmm. we just need to put this on pause. What do you do to recalibrate yourself if you find yourself going towards a dip or maybe waking up in a dip? Um, How do you nurture that and honor that and hopefully come out the other side stronger? Yeah, I mean, easier said than done. And even, even as you're like saying that, I'm like thinking to myself, I've been I've been burning out a little bit. Maybe I need that time right <laughs> yeah. now. Like, oh yeah, so it's, so little it's mental a reminder. reminder. <laughs> it's a good reminder. I mean, for yeah. for me, for me, like friends and family are very important to that. Uh, spending time with them in like a, um, a very present manner as best as possible. You know. Um, yeah exercise for me is a very important thing. I've actually sort of like, this sounds ridiculous to say, but like during the pandemic, I did a lot of walking and I've started to appreciate walking a little bit. Like I was a pretty heavy sort of like CrossFit guy for a while. And my, it took a little bit of a toll on my body. And, uh, you know, I've, I've started to learn the best ways as I get older, the best ways to manage exercise for me and, you know, walking has been a part of it and I'll throw on a podcast, whatever that is. And that might be something that's sort of like educational, but it might be something uh, about, you know, sports because I'm a big sports guy. So it's like, those are the types of things that allow me to really like manage those moments and the days that and and the time that I need to, to refresh, I guess. Mm hmm. Yes. Oh, man. I feel like every year (laughs) that I get older, walking becomes way more enjoyable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Trying to train myself now. Walk without a podcast, Kelsey. Like, just go and listen to the sounds of nature and get Mm -hmm. your next best idea or like tune in to that next aha moment that might be, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that jumps out at you when you're just walking in peace. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Um, so curious, like right now, what does a week in the life of Mitch look like? So I know you've got your hands in Darling Mimosa, you've got your other projects, like what does a week in the life look like? What are you up to? Yeah. I mean, uh, today looks different than it did last week or the week before, of course. Um, you know, I'm, I'm juggling a lot of things right now and, uh, admittedly, uh, for a very long time, I, um, how do I put this for a very long time? I was, the story I was telling myself was that I, I lack focus because I'm doing a lot of things yeah. and that I, and that I need focus. Um, I'm a really good multitasker and I yep. can do a lot of things at once. And the story I was telling myself was because I can do that, I'm not focused, but actually something that I've spoken with my therapist about is actually multitasking takes a lot of focus. And so it's like just retelling myself that story of like, that's just something I'm really good at and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, my days jump from darling to other brands that I'm working with. You know, I try to block my schedules accordingly. I try to leave, you know, Fridays open just in case something comes up or have lunch with somebody or, you know, I'm obviously trying to get out in the world more now as opposed to video chats. Yes. Um, I actually had a meeting this morning with a gentleman who I had just assumed we were going to meet on video. And he was like, can you come to my office? And I was like, yes. And, Thank God. <laughs> and it's and it wasn't close, but I was happy to get in the car yep. and drive and 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 be there. And, and 
you know, I think the meeting was way more productive than it would have been over, over video. And um, yeah, so, I mean, my weeks always look different. Um, I, I try to schedule time for myself when I can, you know, I'm usually up early in the morning. I don't try to jump into work right away. Uh, there are days where I have to, of course. Um, sometimes I'll try to exercise in the morning, even if it's just a quick walk. Um, I got into a pretty good habit of doing that a while ago. In the evenings, I'm working sometimes, but again, try to protect my time when and where I can. Um, and, and same thing with weekends. So it's it's constantly evolving, and I'm sort of embracing that. Of, of that sort of fluidity of my schedule. Cause I'm a, I thrive a little bit more in structure. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, to, I'm trying to sort of just accept the balance of structure and like flow a little bit, you know? This episode is sponsored by the visionary method. The visionary method is a seven step system that's going to help you create and launch your business successfully. We've had 200 people go through it and it's going to help you to generate your first 50,000 in revenue, even if you're starting at zero. You can learn more at www.kelseyridle.com slash TVM. Yeah. And I love that reframe of... Uh, what you were talking about, like just because you're a multitasker, it doesn't mean you're not focused because I think so often that is the story that a lot of entrepreneurs actually tell themselves because the reason why they keep starting these ideas is because they've got a lot going on and they like to have 10 tabs open at once and they like to flip-flop from this project to the next to the next. And for me, that's why I love the consulting industry. It's because it allows me to work with multiple clients, multiple projects to have a few things on the go, I never get bored. I never feel like I have to stay dialed in to one project because, hey, if my creativity shifts or if I get an idea, I can go to the next thing and pour into that and then go back to what I was working on. And for me, for so long, I told myself this story that I just like had the ADD brain and that, you know, like I I could never dedicate myself or Um, just like time block in a way, but I realized that's just not honoring my biology and the way that I like to work and reframing that to actually say, this is maybe my superpower is that Mm -hmm. I can change from a creative task to uh, like a strategic task to back to, you know, doing whatever else I need to do. Um, And I think that's an important reminder for anyone listening who is starting a business or who is working in a business that you can tap into Um, some of the things that you may have seen as like uh, a weakness and actually uh, ask yourself, how can I reframe this? And maybe it can become my strength because my guess is that um, there are a lot of things that we tell ourselves are bad qualities uh, to run a business that actually could be shifted into, no, actually, this is going to help me in so many ways to stand out from other consultants because, you know, it allows me to, you know, be more passionate when I am in my mm-hmm. work. Yeah, no question. I think that it's really important because we're we're sort of like taught this, um, and, and I see it all the time on on Instagram and TikTok and like uh, these sort of like uh, productivity hacks and like you know organizing your life this way and this way and and those things are amazing, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't work for everybody and that's okay. Yeah. And everybody has their own way of working. Um, And so I think it's important to just embrace the way that works for you evolve, of course, and you can get better at everything always, but yeah, it's, it's a really, really important lesson for me that I've tried to embrace as best as possible and not feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. Well, and it goes back to the concept of like, there is no one size fits all formula. And when you try to copy someone's formula from TikTok and then it doesn't work for you, you think, oh, well, I'm the problem. It's like, well, no, you're not the problem. It's just that that was not the method that fits with who you are as a human. And that's why I think you alluded to it, the fact, or when we began this podcast, that you are happy to share your experience, but you're not saying like, this is exactly what's going to work when you launch your canned alcohol beverage brand, right? It's like, I can share my experience, but you have to kind of take what resonates and we need to test and iterate and then find the method that's going to work for this brand or, you know, whoever you're working with. Right. Totally. I, I recently, I I'm reminded of this. I recently saw like a mock video on TikTok of like, um, it was mocking this sort of like idea of 
you know, the hundred most successful entrepreneurs and what their morning routine looks like and what they get <laughs> done before everybody else is even awake. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, if, if, if that sort of lifestyle works for you and you're efficient in doing it, I am all for it. And I've tried the 5.30 a.m. wake up and write and meditate and do all these things before I even start my day. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But this video that I saw was, uh, it was just like all of these things that this person was doing before everybody else was awake. And it was like the most obs obscure thing that you could even consider anybody doing. And it was just another good reminder of like, yeah. to also don't take it so seriously sometimes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 1,000%. Mm -hmm. So... I'm curious because now that you are consulting various brands, you're probably starting to see some through lines or trends or just the fact that you have a lot of connections in the natural health industry, in the CPG industry. Do you feel like there are any common threads between brands that make it and brands that don't? And if so, like what could you boil down? Like maybe one or two um, just trends, common themes that you see that make a brand stand out, that make a brand successful? Yeah, I mean, like, I am obviously a very big proponent of um, spending a lot of time, even though we only launched ours in six weeks, it's evolved a lot, but uh, spending a lot of time in thinking about what your brand stands for. I think that that is something that uh, not everybody does enough of, and I previously mentioned it. And and, and that is something that will allow a brand to evolve um, quicker, no matter if you have a good or bad product. Like the amount of, of products that launch that are great, but, but fail simply mm. because of execution, like there, there's so many of them. And so I think that that sort of like brand strategy foundation stuff is so, so, so important. Like one of the exercises I do uh, with some of my clients is is like, uh, if you were a celebrity, who would you be and why? Like, who would the mm -hmm. brand be and why? And it's just a fun exercise, but it actually really allows you to understand sort of like the values and how you want your brand to show up in the world. Yeah. Um, and, and it's those types of things that will allow for like a really solid foundation and, and also give you uh, what I would call like a North Star in terms of making decisions, right? Like, if, if your brand stands for X and you want to innovate into X category, but it doesn't align with that, it's a, it's a clear no. Or if mm -hmm. somebody comes to you with a partnership opportunity, but it doesn't align with what your brand stands for, then it's a clear no. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's really important work. And then like, just another thing that comes to mind for me is, is this sort of like idea of nostalgia. I'm, I'm a big believer in nostalgia as, as a foundation or as a tool, um, whether it be in product or brand, you know, a lot of right now on the design side, I see like a lot of like sixties, seventies, sort of like retro, um, inspired stuff happening, which is awesome. Um, you know, I'm, this is super random. I'm a big Toronto Blue Jays fan. We don't have yeah. to talk about what recently happened, but, uh, you know, uh a few years ago they sort of went back and brought back some of the like nostalgia of their earlier team like the baby yeah. blue uniforms and stuff yep. and it's and it's brought a lot of people back into baseball whether you actually like baseball or not um and then in the food and beverage world like you know some of the biggest companies right now are taking nostalgic products and making it newer better better for you and, and putting a good brand behind it like you know smart sweets mm -hmm. is a great example um, uh, Halo Top ice cream did it, you know, even Midday Squares is doing it with sort of like, you know, for lack of better term, because their product is more than that, but it's like, it's a brownie. It's a really good yeah. brownie. That's better yeah. for you. Yeah. And so I think nostalgia is something that stands out and has proven to work. I'm not yeah. saying it's the end all be all, but it's, it's clearly working in some cases. Yeah. It's like one arm of your marketing strategy that you can leverage or see if mm -hmm. it fits within. And it's so funny that you bring this up because I've actually never really thought about this concept as it relates to marketing before. But in the marketing course that I teach at um, a local college, we talk so much about current events and making your marketing relevant to the day and age that we live in. And like, if the Blue Jays are winning, then, you know, maybe you can capitalize on that. Or if, 
you know, there is uh, Christmas coming up, whatever. But we don't actually talk so much about nostalgia and playing on that. Like we're always thinking what's happening now, what's relevant in this moment, not so much what does your dream client feel nostalgic around? Like, is it a certain era? Is it a certain, you know, chapter of their life? And how can you actually build that into the marketing in addition to keeping it relevant and making sure you are taking advantage of current themes and current happenings in the world? So I think it's a really interesting concept. Yeah. And I think, I I think an important piece to that though, is knowing your consumer, right? Like who are you? Who are you talking to and what do they care about? So this is where the Blue Jays comes back. To me, they did a great job at at understanding that, um, you know, let's call it five years ago, uh, people who experienced their success in the early 90s are now at the age where they're in their early, mid, late 30s, maybe early 40s, where they're the ones who they're trying to get to go to the games (laughs) to spend the money and, and are actually sort of like buying merchandise and maybe even having kids to bring them into it now. And so that's why it worked. And I yeah. think that, and, and so I think it's important whether you're talking about current events or historical events, you need to make sure that your customer cares. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of brands uh, force themselves to talk about things when their customer actually doesn't care about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So true. And before I let you go, I know you are, you know, a a very skilled marketer. Where are you seeing uh, the attention going right now, whether that's online marketing, offline marketing, certain (laughs) platforms? Like if you were to give advice to someone who's feeling a little bit lost in terms of how to get their brand out there, what do you see as kind of the the way they should be spending their time (laughs) and energy? Ah, uh, that's a really tough one just because <laughs> again, there's so many variables of product, place, people, all of those things. But, you know, I think it's very clear to me that it's it's so easy to get lost online right now. Like it's, unless yeah. you're spending a ton of money on uh, good creative, good content uh, and or actual ad spend, like standing out online is very difficult. You know, yeah. TikTok is obviously a platform where it's, it's, both easy and hard at the same time to stand out. Like there's more of an opportunity to do so, but you need to sort of be lucky a little bit. Um, And then, you know, what I believe, and my experience is rooted in experiential marketing. Like that's what I was doing before station. And so I believe in the power of sort of like, for lack of better term with beverage, liquid to lips or like getting your product in front of people. I think that there's a desire because of what's gone on the past two and a half years for that to come back. Yeah. And so I think that in the next, hopefully, if things continue to progress in the right direction and the world becomes at least, you know, the new normal, um, I think that, you know, in-person events, uh, samplings, any way to be face-to-face with a consumer for a brand, I think is going to become even more important because... Yeah as much as we're progressing digitally, we're also regressing a little bit in that, like, Mm. I I mentioned it before about just going to my meeting today face-to-face. Like, how do you take that idea and and apply it to a brand and how they're marketing to their their core demographic? Like, getting face-to-face with people, I think is gonna become even more important. The challenge then becomes, that's a very expensive thing to do. So depending on, on, on what category you play in your budget, your, your geographical reach, all of those things, important factors to play, to take into account. Definitely something to consider. It's like, you know, we had our years of like, everybody just go online and pump your money into ads. But now it's like, wait, 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 there might be a happy medium here where you definitely want the in-person, the experiential, but also piggybacking or, you know, just also showing up in the online channels. So yeah, finding that balance for, um, for you. So yeah. Amazing. So how can we stay connected with you, Mitch? What are the best ways for us to get in contact, to grab Darling Mimosas, uh, to work with you as an advisor, as a consultant? Uh, Yeah. How do we connect? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I've found myself quite active on LinkedIn lately and I'm really enjoying it because it's, um, I I don't know, I've just started to understand the algorithm algorithm a little bit. And I've also started to, uh, I've met some incredible people and been connected to some incredible people. So, you know, LinkedIn is a good one. Um, uh, And then with Darling, 
we are available at uh, a few hundred LCBOs across the province, and wow. that number fluctuates. We're doing our best to keep it consistent. Um, uh, our traditional orange-flavored mimosa will be available. Uh, we had a seasonal grapefruit skew, which is harder to find, but there are some great places to still get it within the city outside of the LCBO. Uh, we've got some fun stuff that we're planning for next summer at the LCBO that I can't share yet, cool. but some really cool innovation. Um, and so, you know, you, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually go online to the LCBO's website and look up a brand and it'll actually tell you uh, which store closest to you has how many units. Yes. So handy. And, yeah, uh, it's it's actually and it's um, extremely up to date. Like I'm very impressed with it. So that's always an easy way to see if your local LCBO has it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I must say, like, Darling Mimosa is like the perfect cocktail to have at baby showers, at bachelorette parties, uh, wedding showers. Like, there's just so many occasions where you don't want to, like, mix up a big batch of sangria necessarily because you don't know how many people will be drinking. You want cans on hand so that you can just mm -hmm. crack them open, keep them on ice, on a nice, like, ice bucket. I don't know. And aesthetically, they look beautiful, too. So perfect for Instagram and wherever you're sharing <laughs> your photos. So anyways, we'll include lots of photos in the show notes and encourage everyone to connect with you and to say hello on LinkedIn and also to go follow you guys on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, at the LCBO if they can find you. So thank you That's so great. much for sharing your time with us, for coming back uh, on season 10. We really appreciate it and wish you all of the best on your journey. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.